This is the Dialed Health Podcast. It's your time to start moving forward. What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com. And today we get to sit down and talk all things strength training with one of my favorite coaches who I've thankfully had the opportunity to work with. His name is Abe Maynard. Abe owns the ski system, which is very similar to Dialed Health in that it's skiing, excuse me, it's strength training specifically for skiers. And just like a lot of people who are winter sport focused, they do summer outdoor sports as well. So Abe also mountain bikes, the dude surfs, he does jujitsu, he's done weightlifting competitions. And when Abe and I met each other down at Equinox in Santa Monica, we, we clicked right off the bat. I mean, there were so many cool trainers, honestly, who worked there that we got along with, but Abe and I really have stayed connected over the years. And it's cool now because we're using the same programmers or excuse me, like the web team behind the scenes to build out our platforms and we kind of work with each other and inspire each other behind the scenes. So what we talk about is what you're probably expecting, which is like favorite strength training movements, really specific stuff for not only cycling, but just outdoor sports in general, the importance of uh, laying the foundation of your general health and how that can actually help your performance and uh, really talking like Instagram versus reality. This is where we actually jump into the business back end quite a bit. And I didn't anticipate or, or plan this at all, but there's so much we are going through, I guess, trying to grow our businesses through social media and do everything online that it was just like the easiest conversation to have. So if you're, if you follow my content, if you're really curious about the things that I deal with behind the scenes when I'm putting out content, I think you're really going to appreciate that and all the stuff that we have to kind of consider as a coach to not only serve our product and our customer as well as possible, but kind of to play the game of this online world. So that was a pretty interesting talk, and I think you're gonna gain a lot of it as far as uh, just nuggets of training advice. Just if you wanna get motivated, Abe is full of that, and he said a few things that I had nothing to add. He just wrapped it up so perfectly. So I love this conversation, and I hope you do as well. It actually went a little bit longer even than intended, so. Um, I'm excited to bring it to you guys. Now, feel free to reach out to Abe. I have his Instagram handle and also his website, which is still under construction, but he's doing in, or he's doing coaching programs currently for people. So if you ever have questions, reach out to him. He's an awesome dude to follow, and I think you're going to get a lot from him. So that's pretty much what the main part of the episode is. But of course, we have weekly thoughts, people, and I just got third place at the Calenduro in Mammoth Bar, which is my home trails. And I wanna talk about it because I was on kind of an interesting setup. I, I'm pretty vocal and honest about the fact I don't ride a lot of gravity anymore. And so what I really set up as an action plan to get my best result, I think it's kind of interesting. And I was really proud of like all the steps that I took and how I committed to my real race plan and just how it was executed. So I want to talk about that. Um, but we do have a few announcements as well. So let's talk about this. The kettlebell program. It is live, people. Now, if you are a Dialed Fan member, if you've been through the website in the past and signed up for the newsletter, you got all the information on the kettlebell program. And if you don't have the newsletter signed up, or if you're not signed up for it, <laughs> talk about like dyslexic, I just said that whole sentence backwards. If you are not signed up for the newsletter, you can be very easily. We send them weekly or bi-weekly. It's usually when obviously something's going on, it could be an awesome testimonial, it could be about a new program, it could just be purely like 
content where you know sometimes i'll take an instagram post and then kind of deep dive on it and you get even more um even more bang for your buck i guess so it's free go sign up on the website you just go to the homepage dialedhealth.com and you'll see right under the uh, first video an area to just put in your email and then you can be a part of the newsletter and really be on the in you know because you, you are listening to the podcast but if you want that next level go hit the newsletter and then become part of the dialed fan people what are we doing if you're not strength training consistently, if you're not doing mobility work, are you really at your optimal like level of performance, happiness, just general lifestyle? Is it peaking? No, it is not. It's probably the worst thing ever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I'm so stoked on the product we're bringing forward and really getting the feedback from people who are um, using it. And you know, within a week or two, the results people are getting are, are so cool. So um, go and check that out and reach out to me if you have any questions. We're making a lot of updates. Q3 is like, whew, we're coming and swinging. So anyways, let's get into this conversation with Abe and then we'll finish with those weekly thoughts. You really outstared me there. I got to just say it right now. I mean, you, you put a challenge on the table. I wasn't going to look away. It was awkward, but I did it. <laughs> I asked for five seconds of silence to help me edit this thing. And you just move close to the camera and stare without blinking during the whole five seconds. I dominated. <laughs> he dominated it. I won That's the stage and the I podiums, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's the intensity that you bring to your business. And that's why you're here. Yes. Right? And that's why you're here. So... I already introduced you earlier and I want to get straight into the conversation. So we're going to pick up actually where we left off last time, uh, which I think I want to say it's been close to a year since our previous podcast together. Yeah. Cause I was still in LA and that was all, over a year ago. Yeah. And the last thing we talked about on that episode was your favorite strength training movement. In fact, I asked if you could only do one strength movement, what would it be? And you know, I kind of want to go back and forth on that a little bit. So I remember your answer from last time. Does it get up, right? Turkish Did I say get up? Yeah. Yeah, totally changed. <laughs> oh, no way. Okay. Tell me how it changed. But uh, I, I don't want to say to totally like I still I still value that exercise. But to just answer the question, um, and this came into my training recently, because I you remember Josh Clay? Yeah. Um, I hired him to start programming for me just to like help me navigate like I, I'm just doing too many things at once always so I needed to like streamline my training and make it really effective and not overtrain because I had been dealing with some injuries and one of the exercises that we like kind of reintroduced to my program that I, I honestly don't think I'd done this probably since I was competing for skiing and like really utilizing in the off season but rear foot elevated split squats with like a front rack barbell position. So for nice. people that just heard that and that didn't make any sense, if you do a lunge, but you elevate your rear foot onto a higher surface, so like a, a bench or a box or something like that, and then you use the front rack barbell position like you were doing a front squat, you but you perform the split squat from that spot, like it just feels, especially now, like being so streamlined and focused on the ski system, I feel like this exercise has so much application from like a mobility requirement standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, ability to build strength. And then the fact that it's 
single leg by nature yeah. just lends itself so much to skiing. And I've always been a, a big fan of like frontal loading like that, just because it lights up all your anterior core muscles. So putting those into the program, like, I mean, they like work me. Yeah. Even, done, done with the sets and I'm worked. Even posterior muscles, because when you have a front rack position like that, you're using the muscles in your upper back, your shoulder blades totally. to help keep your torso upright as well. And for people listening, basically, this is also known as a Bulgarian split squat. And yep. the positioning of the bar is really important because it changes how much you're using your core, essentially. Plus, it allows you to load up a little bit heavier if you want yeah. a barbell, opposed to just holding dumbbells or even being in a goblet position, which is, that's, I'm assuming you're doing that. Abe is super strong for people listening right now. So that's definitely required. <laughs> but the it's crazy because even holding the dumbbells or the weight in your hands and kind of dangling your arms down at your side uh, opposed to having that upper rack position like you would in a front squat it really is a difference between using your whole body versus using mostly just your lower body and i think that's cool to see like programming wise how the same movement like the the a movement that almost looks the same uh from an untrained eye may may be wildly different um just by changing, you know, how you hold the weight. That's a yeah, great point. Like, I just feel like for us specifically, you know, like for the sports that we love to do, like for enduro, for road riding, for skiing, these are, these are sports where you move forward. There's lateral movements, you know, more so in enduro and skiing than in road riding, but there's lateral movements, but you're going forward. You're in this anterior loaded position, especially if your hands are on the bar. So these kind of exercises transfer a lot to the actual sport. It's not just like, oh, that looks crazy and cool. There's like yeah. direct application to the positioning. And I've become like a massive fan of any exercise that replicates the actual sport or that shares like portions of the positioning or the mechanics of the sport. So yeah. like you, you're not going to find yourself skiing with a barbell back squat loaded position. It doesn't mean that that's not a good exercise for training. It's just that that position being like open in your shoulders and back and then having all the loading on your spine and your posterior muscles, it's not really what you're going to feel if you're like skiing through a field of moguls or making a GS turn. Right. So it's great for building strength, but it's not a something that's going to replicate a position you're really going to find yourself in and skiing. And you, I mean, you can just look, you can like splice a photo of someone skiing down a hill and doing a rear foot elevated split squat. And you see the exact angles from the ankle all the way up to the shoulder. So it's just yeah. kind of fun to use something that's got bang for your buck as far as strength and mobility, but also replicate some of the positions that you're going to see. Yeah. It, and it's true. It's crazy though, because there's, the obvious visual like you're presenting and when things look more sports specific uh and they are more sports specific it like translates really well and it's easy to communicate people can understand it and you know it's so important but at the same time that movement alone still isn't the whole picture of what you're trying to do because again just hammering out the same movement over and over again it, it's just going to leave you with compensation if you don't have that variety so it's right. like for the sake of the question, of course, we're like talking about what the best thing is. Um, but it's just funny because it's just, it's, it's so important to have that well-rounded program that 
even may not look like it's helping the sport just for the sake of the health of your body, like the general base of your fitness, you know, because I'll have people ask me, it's like, oh, why should I even shoulder press? Like, when am I ever going to be in that overhead position on the bike? And I'm like, it's not about mimicking the position specifically. It's about building the strongest shoulder possible. And if you have a healthy enough shoulder to press, that is essential to do that. You know what I mean? Oh, so you're going to slam. And you're going to slam. When, it's, you, when it's you slam, what do you want? You want pillow shoulders or do you want shoulder? Like, yeah, do you, I, want, dude, I, do you want just pokey bones hitting rock or do you want no. a little padding on there? Yeah. I took, dude, I took this slam, like total coop slam at Big Bear uh, <laughs> on a mountain bike. And like, I basically, there was this berm that came down and then it went into a drop to like a step up. So you could like hammer the berm and then you could kind of pre-hop into the transition. So you like yeah. suck up. Like a, like a berm press. Yeah. And so you hit the transition and come up. So I came out of the berm and I went to hop to match the transition. And I had, uh, I, I'm just not a very good <laughs> mountain biker. And I hop and my trajectory just started going like this. And so when I cleared the knoll, I went from the knoll all the way to the flat bottom, progressively tilting more and more. Yeah. And it was like an explosion, dude. I unclipped from both. My helmet got twisted on my face. Goggles oh. came off, like ripped the side of my shirt. And I just got up and was like, oh, you know, it was just like took the wind out of me. But then I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I mean, that slam ended the day. I like grabbed my bike. I was like, I'm, I'm cooked. And like yeah. went down to the bottom. I was done. I was all shaky. But I'm like, dude, if I didn't train, like if I hadn't done kettlebell presses and like controlled the movement up and down and done core strength in the exercise and just like got my body to work as a unit yeah that's a shoulder breaking slam 100 percent, or oh. like radio on yeah. snap like it's happening but yeah. because i train and because i press and pull and push and twist and rotate and do all this stuff under loading i walked away from it just feeling like an idiot but i was <laughs> like i rode the next day you know that that's like that should be your motivation for like, why am I going to do a shoulder press? Cause you're going to fall. Yeah. You are going to fall period. Dude, that's such, I'm so happy you brought this up. Cause like, okay, we talk about the perfect movement for the performance when you're performing at your best, but then there's this whole other side of it, of just basic health and crash proofing. So you're training to perform at your best and you're also training to prepare for the worst. <laughs> and yeah. I had a crash that's so dude, it was so similar as far as a shoulder slam goes. It was probably the worst crash I've had in the last year. It was in the fall and I was coming down a kind of a G out on a trail and the trail crested up. I mean, we're talking about like 10 feet vert, just a lit goes up, turns right and starts going downhill again. But right at the bottom of the transition to go uphill as I'm Ging out, there was a stump probably the size of like, I don't know, a football. And my front, I didn't even see it, dude. And my front wheel hit the stump and I just like my arms buckled against the bars and I OTB'd like because the trajectory of going uphill as I hit yeah. it, it was like the perfect combo. So I shouldered into the ground and came to a dead stop. And it was crazy because I had broken the collarbone on the side before and immediately like my collarbone felt a little sore and my whole like right side felt rocked. And once I realized, okay, my collarbone's not broken, that my first thought was, dude, I know for a fact if my shoulders didn't have a little padding through muscle, if they weren't mobile, if I didn't have all of the um, muscle around my spine and through my rib cage and my neck and my traps, 
I would 100% have something blown up on me right now. It was too hard of a slam to explain it, but also it's hard to validate too. Like, you know, I think people, when they start strength training, it's very easy to make that connection and be like, whoa, I know for a fact that should have been worse than it was. Um, and thank God I was strength training, but when people don't, they're like, ah, well, how could you really know? I mean, I've heard both sides, but I feel like you have to strength train and experience it, unfortunately, to like (laughs) validate it. Yeah. I, uh, the, there's also, there's this scientific benefit too, that we know like strength training lays down more layers on your bones. So like, in addition to everything that we just said, it increases bone density. So like, yeah, good point. You took a pencil and a two by four and you like went to crack them like of course the pencil is going to break it's less dense it's smaller in diameter like bigger bones absorb impact better than brittle smaller bones so there's also that whole side of it too that like if you just improve your overall functionality through strength training there's going to be benefits to your skeletal structure as well and i think it's yeah. While we're on this topic, like I, I know we got a bunch to cover, but I really think it's worth saying like, it's very easy when you're talking about uh, strength training and performance to just look to athletes, right? Especially with business is like ours, right? Like yeah, you go, well, Lindsey Vaughn's training really hard and Michaela Schifrin's training really hard and like Derek's crushing it. And, and you're seeing these people that are training really hard and competing at a global high level, the highest level that you can possibly compete at. And there can be some disconnect for the average person there going, well, I'm not trying to win a world cup mm-hmm. or I'm not trying to compete in, I don't, I'm not going to do the TDS Enduro next year. So like, do I really need to do this? And the truth is of all the groups of people that it matters the most for it's general population. It's the weekend warrior. It's the person that isn't riding five, six days a week, but they go and they do a trip in Big Bear with their friends three or four times a year. It's the person that flies with their team at work and they go do a bunch of road riding for like a weekend intensive. Like those are the people that are at the absolute most risk for completely jacking themselves up on very basic train because it's less frequency that they're out doing the thing. So, wow. Well said. I mean, (laughs) but like, seriously, if look at, we need to look at the athletes and look at the professionals and look at these people and get inspired by them and let them guide us in what we're doing. But we need to respect the fact that the people that really, really need to be strength training, that really need to be mobile, stable, flexible. It's the people that are going, okay, yeah, I'll meet you guys there for the weekend. I'll fly to Beaver Creek and we'll just go ski and have a good time. Cause your body's not ready for it. It's not, it's not training for it. It's not, you're not dealing with speed and change of direction and movement and pivoting and switching and braking and all this stuff. And then the stump that jumps out and nearly breaks your shoulder completely fucks some, excuse me, completely jacks someone's neck up and they never ride bikes again. And that's yeah. horrible. It's preventable if people take it seriously. No, dude, well said. I can't even add anything to that. I'm just so happy you made that point because it is, it is challenging. I think from a marketing perspective to really grasp that and make it exciting and like clickable. Whereas the app, the top tier athlete thing is it can be more catching. And actually that is kind of something I want to discuss is like this Instagram versus reality concept, because it's a very difficult balance where you're trying to grow your engagement and your, your social media and following and grow the business. 
And a lot of times the traditional strength movements that are so valuable and truthfully more realistic for the majority to do and probably where a lot of people should be spending their time, they don't get clicks or views because visually it can be boring. It can be slow. It can be, there's just nothing that really stops someone to be like, whoa, what the heck is that? And also our job is to truthfully get people excited to strength train because, you know, I, and it's a weird thing to admit, but I've realized that getting someone to move regardless of it being the perfect exercise quote unquote or not for them is almost the top priority over like putting them in the perfect program right away and ideally we would get them in the perfect program and they'd make the best choice there and we can you have the resources for them to do that but it's like if they need to see something like crazy like you know a crazy kettlebell flow or some stability movement to get excited about training, then it's worth it in my opinion. So, but, but again, you don't want to compromise what you know to be as really effective. Um, and I think just from where we come from, from Equinox and the background that we have with training and knowing how beneficial a very slow, controlled, unexciting looking movement can be, it, it's a challenge. I don't know. I still deal with it. So how do you handle that whole thing as a trainer in a similar position? I think like a couple of things on this, like for one, if you're talking, it's, let me say a thing. I want to explain this. I think like at the root of it, it's all comes down to just like, are you being as a, a coach or as like a person pioneering a business or a model or an idea, like, are you being truthful? Mm. Just is, are what you demonstrating or showing, like, is it actually, is that truthful? Is that really like what, you would do if you were the trainee or if you were the client or is it mm. clickbaity? And I, it's sometimes it's hard to tell like where that line is, yeah. but if the exercise is truthful, it's going to strengthen the business model because both our businesses operate and are successful. If people can digest the information and understand what we're talking about, mm-hmm. apply it to like their training, their program, their workouts, whatever, and then see improvements. And in my eyes, the average person who doesn't train that frequently, who wants to get better at mountain biking or better at skiing, sees some crazy thing that's like just way outside of their scope of understanding or ability, and they try to do it, it's going to be frustrating. And our opportunities as like business owners or or coaches to get people excited and involved, they're very, like, they're so few. Yeah. You have to get it right perfect. Every time someone comes into contact with a program, an exercise, an idea, or a concept, they have to be able to get it and apply it and then realize in that moment that, like, it's beneficial. So when things are too crazy or they don't make sense or they're, they might get a click or a like, but in the end, that does not matter. What matters is that people end up like participating in the system, in the programs and in the training. And that's the thing that's going to get them to feel their performance when the season comes around or when the ride comes around. So it's, it's almost like you have to find a way to visually grab someone's attention. That's the first part. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of these kind of crazy exercises and like you see people bands are like tied to the ceiling and to their car. And then they're like, yeah dude i love i've seen these guys where they're on like a track or like a football field and it starts and they're just in a full-blown sprint and then all of a sudden they just like jump through like 
flames they flip a tire they you know they're, they're on battle ropes and then they're like saving a cat out of a tree like they're just like doing this obstacle course that's all set up and i'm like and it's just like wow. sick training session today yeah <laughs> like what is what is yeah. that what's going on there i uh i think the reality like and most i feel like most coaches most strength coaches know this like the good actually the exercises that really matter the ones that are going to make you less susceptible to injury in your sport they're going to make you feel more stable and stronger through whatever you're doing they're yeah. not that sexy they're not it's like not. a goblet held dumbbell squat is an extremely valuable exercise it involves your entire like upper body you get anterior loading it primes better mechanics for the squat itself because it's going to keep your chest in upright position like that's going to transfer to the bike that's going to transfer to snow it doesn't look that cool yeah. i'll tell people listening right now if you really want to follow high quality training movement like and it's weird because again i tow this line i'm still always trying to figure out the balance but you almost have to go from following the traditional fitness influencer um, to follow, go see who your coaches are following. Because a lot of times the coaches of coaches put out the actual highest quality info and it does well because their whole audience are other coaches. So the right. other coaches don't need to see this crazy thing to be stopped to watch what's happening. They can be just as intrigued by, you know, weight placement through your foot if a whole right. post is about that. So there are these coaches to coaches and profiles you can go follow and people you can go follow if you're really into that high quality information that may not look as exciting on the surface level, but it has a lot, a lot of value um, below that. Uh, but again, dude, I'll say I see big brands and brands that I know do well, um, that have our same business model and their business is strong, but their social sucks because they, they don't prioritize the excitement and the fun behind social media. So it's like, even though like it's, they put out high quality information, it's like they're really, really missing the mark on building their culture and their community just because they're not playing the game a little bit. And where I'm like, oh man, it's like, you, you, you don't have to be dishonest. Like you said, you can be very truthful. Like sometimes I'll post something crazy and I'll just say like, oh, this was a fun challenge to try. Like right. I'll make sure I include something like that, you know, um, like recently I posted this Indo board workout where it started with burpees on the Indo board, like on and off them, which are ridiculous. Um, and I, and I, it was the first video and I was like, very clear, like, don't worry, this is not one of the movements. The next ones are, and it's not like the next ones were easy, but the first one was just so eye catching. So I don't know there, you can have the honesty there and still have the excitement, but it does take a lot of thinking from a marketing perspective. Um, so I gotta ask. Of, well, that was gonna say, that's like one thing that's, you know, you're much more further along in this process than I am. And I, I am, I'm trying to kind of like ride your coattails on like how to develop and build this. And I, I pull a lot of inspiration from like what you and Brady put together and just like, all your content I feel like is so high quality. And there's definitely like, there is a game that you kind of have to play because you are the coach, but you're also the marketing team yeah. and you're also the advertising team and you're the production team. Like that's kind of a unique new situation that um, models like what we're doing because you're kind of in the beginning, you bootstrap it. So you try to wear a lot of different hats so that you're effective. But 
if you are a business, like a, a bigger company, right? Like you're kind of like, let the marketing team handle the Instagram and the social and, and that I'm just going to focus on like the coaching and the programming. Yeah. So those two products might be very different from each other. But with us, it's like, you do have to recognize if you don't catch someone's eye or draw them into whatever the post is about, they're never going to read the information that you place with it. And they're never going to click through to the website that really unpacks everything that you're doing. Exactly. So if you don't want to play that part of it, just because you don't want to try to do the eye catchy stuff, you're, then that channel is pretty much closed out for you for funneling traffic over to your site. And then that at the end of the day is sad because getting to the site, getting involved with like the forums, the programs, everything like that, that's a value add for these people. That's yeah. where the big win happens. But if the photos and the videos don't draw them in in the first place, they never get to experience the benefits of dialed health. Yeah, dude. So you so kind of have to like juggle those. And, and so, uh, so eating, you know, nine donuts in one photo, <laughs> like is that training? No, but does it give some humor and some laugh and some realness to like who you are and what you're doing? Yes. Right. And that's a five out of five star experience for that post. And it totally makes sense and justifies the thought process behind it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really well said, dude. And thanks for using my own post as an example. I love that. Yeah. And <laughs> I so love that one. the question I have too is like, okay, we, so I gave you an intro. People know that we work together um, at Equinox and really high quality gym, uh, world-class facilities. And I mean, I know that we're both big fans of the, uh, of, of the gym in general, of mm -hmm. like what, what they're doing and the time they're putting into their trainers, yada, yada. But it's funny because when you move out of it, like I had this, okay, when I moved from Equinox, I went from being, uh, having a month where I was the second highest producing trainer there and moving home and having zero clientele because I had no social presence at the time, going from charging $100 a session to $30 a session and having three clients that were, uh, no, I don't want to say so annoying. One of them was really bad, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the other two were amazing. Um, but I, it was such a ego blow, like such a blow because I felt like I was on top of the world kind of. Like when you're a trainer at this kind of facility, I, if you're a successful trainer there, there's this like swag that you have and this feeling sure. like you, you feel like you own the place. You feel super cool. And honestly, you are cool. Like you're a cool trainer at this cool place. It's great. But it's like, there is a level of arrogance there that is purely out of just being naive to the reality of what you do own, what is yours, what you created and what you made. And that's what hit me so much where I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was one of the best trainers ever. And I felt like I walked in and owned this place. But in reality, I didn't own a single thing in this place. And this place helped me do X, Y, and Z. And now having to create all of that from the ground up, it was just so humbling. And it's funny now because I still connect with trainers who are in those types of positions. And, you know, I can't help but like, it's so funny. I mean, of course, I I, res I respect trainers for the job. I love the industry, this and that. But there are times where things are said, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you really don't get how much the the company's doing for you, you know. Yeah. And so, what are your thoughts? Because like you 
I mean, you were at Equinox and basically went to number one at that um, actual location. You were nominated for trainer of the year for the entire brand, which well, is it 4,000 trainers or 2,000 trainers? 3,800 trainers when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, for people listening, when you're in that environment, it is very competitive. There are some, I think the best, some of the best trainers in our country and all over the world uh, with their London location. And, and so the fact that Abe got nominated for that is out of control insane. So it's safe to say that you were at the top of that brand um, and that company and now you've moved on to completely doing your own thing. Like, have you had that same kind of experience that I did? Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting hearing you talk about that because like, I guess I I don't need, it's not even a disclaimer. I mean, I, I feel very highly of Equinox. I speak very highly of Equinox. If anyone was ever thinking about getting in the training industry, I don't, I honestly don't think there's a better place to start. Like you just get yeah. a ton of, this doesn't need to be an ad for how great they are, but like, I have no bad feelings about the place. Um, and you definitely do. I mean, I guess the perfect way to describe it is like when you're in it, when you work there and you're, you're part of that environment and you walk in and people know your name and like, every, you know, they know who you are and they're very like public about performance. So like they know who the top trainers are and who aren't and yada, yada. Um, you, if you're a competitive person, which is like my entire upbringing, you identify with that for sure with like the clout so to speak like you kind of feel good like you're getting constant pats on your back about what you're doing and this and that and like it does inflate your ego for sure yeah and then when you leave you realize that like uh you don't exist outside of that world you know like right. i mean the perfect example is here you are you're you're explaining to the audience what this nomination meant but you you have to like explain what it is, how yeah. many people there are, why it matters, yada, yada. No one gives a shit yeah. at the end. Like, they're like, okay, what one, I don't even know what Equinox is. So they don't understand what, what the place is. And then two, great, you were not nominated, but like, how is it political? Is it performance-based? Like, there's no explanation within the thing. It's not like you were recognized as the United States of America, number one trainer in the world. And people are like, oh, wow, that probably seems you like- You would have to be on the biggest loser. Like really, like, to be exactly. to get you that would, kind of credit, you would yeah. have to just be on the biggest loser. But by the way, I, I gotta say, even though you're 100% right of like, you step out of a world and all of a sudden you, you don't exist mm -hmm. in, in a sense, that is the same way with every single industry. And it's one thing that fascinates me about business is how you'll have these businesses that do insane numbers and employ hundreds, if not thousands of people that we've never heard of that make the most niche product ever that you didn't even know needed to exist. There are all these weird things happening that we don't even understand and aren't a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like with how media now digitally it puts us in our own category to whereas, um, remember that song? Okay, this is an example. And I know we're going off on a side tangent. No, but no. You know that song, uh, Astronaut in the Ocean? It's like, what you know about rolling <laughs> down in the deep? You know that song? Oh, yeah. I was like, I'll I was just like, let shoot. you sing all day. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. let me sing. I'm, I'm the yeah. worst voice. Um, that song, though, like, I don't know, four months ago, dude, it was on every reels in every Viking page ever. Like, it just that song was everywhere. Right. And it was funny. Cause I had told Lish, I was like, dude, this song is everywhere. And it was after months of it. 
And she's like, I've never heard that song before. And I'm like, are you on the internet? Like, how did you not come across this? And she had never heard it. And it it just showed me, I was like, whoa, the thing that is most bombarded and in my face, my own wife has never even heard. And that's how like segmented things get. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, like I just bring that up because it's not, it doesn't mean that it's insignificant what you did at Equinox at all. You know what I mean? I think, well, what I was, what I was getting towards is like, when starting off on creating something on my own there's no one i think the challenge is like no one's telling you you're doing a good job and i i know that sounds like you know upset little kids like not getting enough recognition but it just when you're used to constant um recognition for performance it's almost like a little bit of a beacon that lets you know like you're doing the right thing right like Mm -hmm. hey derek good job you did 100 sessions very few trainers in the company do that Great. And so mentally you're like, okay, cool. I'm in like this echelon now. And then they're like, yeah. you know, top trainer, Derek Teal, or this X minus sessions this month, or he's mentoring people. And so there's always kind of someone being like, nice dude, nice dude, nice dude. But in, I guess what we would call like entrepreneurship, no one says anything until you're so far beyond the point of like having made it. Right. And then that's when everyone wants to celebrate and be part of it. So it's very weird uh, having to kind of like dig deep and self-motivate yourself through your business and through the things that you're yeah. doing and remind yourself that little wins are so big. Like whether it's uh, a little win just being like getting, you know, video shot that you had to shoot that are going to sit on the website or getting all the copy done for something that you're going to launch for a yeah. new page that you're going to have on there or getting uh, all the photo projects worked out so that you have like the next month worth of content figured out. Like these are all things that you end up having to tell yourself, good job on accomplishing that. Even if it's not like a money generating thing, because in the trajectory of like your business over time, they're all little pieces that are helping you move towards whatever your end goal may be or, or, or what you aim to accomplish. And sometimes that can be like really, really hard. Like there has definitely been points in the last year and I'm, I feel very fortunate to like still be training virtually all my clients from Equinox, like from LA. Yeah. Um, And so I, I'm very grateful to be in this position where I can fund and start this other project to then grow. But there have been plenty of days where like, I've been bummed, dude, like down. And it's a different kind of, like, I'm not, I don't experience depression or, or or I haven't in my life. I've never been someone that has struggled with that, thankfully. But there have definitely been times in the last year where I've been like, what am I doing, man? Yeah. And what am I doing? On that same day, someone else will ask you too. They're like, why are you doing that? And then then it's so hard because like you said, you don't get that uh, recognition for what you're doing. And then when you do decide to transition because you have a bigger vision, you have something you believe in, people question you. So you're fighting your own doubt and other people's doubt as well. Because I, I mean, moving back up to here, there wasn't a lot of doubt in that transition because everyone's like, oh, he just wants to go home, like to his family right. and family area or whatever. But when I had started and then made it a point to start my own uh, thing, people were questioning that. Like, why wouldn't you just go work for Lifetime, which was the new nicer gym opening right. up at the time. And then I'm like, no, I think I can do my own business. So there was doubt there. Finally, I do my own business and I decide to 
focus on, um, or, or, excuse me, it was open a studio first. Even before I dialed health with strength training for cyclists specifically, right. I was still training anyone and everyone. When I had opened a studio, I was moving across town to the place I wanted to be that was nicer area, but uh, at literally the hub of the cycling community in our area. And I had multiple people, even business people I respected, tell me not to do it because it's a bad location, yada, yada. Still had to press on through that, losing money the whole time. Of course, doubting myself. When I, when I said I was going all for cycling, I had people close to me saying, don't uh, limit your market like that. You are making a bad decision. And of course, I do that and business is affected negatively because you're changing it. So you're fighting that doubt and you're also getting paid less and you have these numbers fighting against you, but you have to trudge on. And then I go all online through uh, COVID, which was already being developed, but I had to commit to it. And now I have people that want to come into the studio and it's great to know that that could be there if I needed it. Um, and it's, but it's very tempting, you know, like when money's tight or I need to put more money into the website or whatever it may be. And I know, dang, dude, if I got like 10 people in here, I could pay for my rent and fund this and fund that to stay true to your path. And to know that, you know, <laughs> you're looking at the bigger picture and you're fighting the doubt of other people. Cause they're not just saying like, I want to come in the studio. It's like, it's such a bummer. You can't train people in person. Like, right. like, it's like, I know. And don't tempt me, dude. I know yeah. like people are like, I'll pay you like whatever, but, and I'm like, don't tell me that dude, you're making this so much harder because <laughs> I have to stick to what I like believe in, you know, and yeah. every step of the way has had that where you doubt yourself and other people are kind of doubting you as well, or trying to, you know, steer you off track. Um, so it is really, you know, I, it is an interesting process and I didn't plan on talking about business stuff so much, but um, we're kind of, you know, like we've been through this process together so much, it's kind of inevitable. And I think anyone listening right now can probably apply it to, you know, or resonate with it in a way with whatever they're going through. Well, I always like, I try to force myself to just daydream a lot. Like when yeah. I think about th this business, because I really see, um, well, you obviously inspired me to like move in this direction because I saw what you're doing and I, I saw that it, I get it. Like I can see where this can go and yeah. skiing just, it didn't have, and no one was doing it. There, uh, one guy, um, he's a pro skier, John Collinson has, mm -hmm some rad stuff that he's putting out some really cool content around fitness. So I kind of saw like proof of concept within the ski industry. And then a Dan Daly does the stuff for swimming, which I think is like super rad. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not with familiar him. with that. No, he, he has, I know it's like strength training, but just for swimmers. And so I'm starting to see like there, of course there's doubt because no one's done it yet. Like, yeah, no one, you want to be a baseball player and you're a kid and everyone's like, Oh, well, are you athletic? And it's like, yeah, he's a pretty athletic kid. And people are going to be like, go for it. You know, you got the abilities, you can be someone, but if you wanted to be an astronaut, no one had ever been to space. And you're like, I, I think I could, I think I could do it. You know, like we got the physics and we got the material and we can make it happen. You're just going to be nonstop doubt. There is no, no one is doing strength training just for cyclists. So yeah. why would anyone think that that's a possibility to do successfully and create a business around? So you're like, you're dealing with that doubt, but at least at the same time that people are doubting it or questioning it, you know that like, you can, you know, you can make it happen because you can see yeah. the bigger picture. You can see the, 
people adopting it, adapting it, like, uh, I don't know, high schools, for example, there's tons of high schools all over the US, there's like 350 high schools that have ski programs. And no one's doing the programming for them. Wow. Yeah, that's a massive market. Yep. So like, that not might not be where the ski system is right now. But I can see that it could grow there if right. I just keep doing like, the next little thing. And so that's how I try to like, eliminate the negative voices by focusing on the small wins and then thinking about this the bigger picture like where it could go yeah that's and and i will say too it will because like abe mentioned you know he's starting this now and i'm a few steps ahead of him specifically on this process but i will tell you too like to be encouraged because as it grows, like it's not crickets the whole time. It's not doubt the whole time. Like you do just get more frequently, like the praise that keeps you like motivated and excited. The results come in, people tell you how they live, you change their life literally. And then it just puts this crazy fuel to the fire. And now I'll be honest, there's some times where people, I feel like give me more praise than I deserve. And I'm like, Whoa, like, you know, um, like, I don't feel like it's as good as you're saying, but thank you. Or like maybe you have, you know, there's always stuff going on the back end that makes you question what the heck you're doing. But um, like I've experienced it to that point where like, you know, you just get so much praise for something. You're like, wow, like I, I can't believe, like it's almost overwhelming, you know? Um, So dude, that is definitely coming specifically with ski system. I know that. And here's what I got to say. We got to hit a rapid fire question on a rapid fire question round on these strength topics that I had planned on talking about. Um, but again, I think this is even more valuable and I'm, I'm stoked. You had that insight from us, man. Um, I'm so hyped on what you're doing. So let's, uh, let's do a little rapid fire here. Hit me with it. So favorite piece of strength equipment. Right. Like right now, it's it's right now, right now it's probably my trap bar. (laughs) I just, I thought you were going to say landmine. No, it's, I just, I love, uh, I've gotten away from like conventional deadlifts without doing the Olympic competition, Olympic lifting, competing and stuff like that. And like, just started to utilize the trap bar a lot more. It also changed. Like, I'm not trying to just max out, you know, mega deadlifts all the time. It doesn't really serve what I like to do. Yeah. And the trap bar has got an awesome hybrid of like a little more knee flexion than a conventional deadlift. So it transfers really well to skiing. You can flip it over, do deficits, easy to load small fits everywhere like i'm uh that's probably my favorite right now i didn't think that i would say that but i that's probably where i'm at no i I think it's great for anyone listening trap bar is without a doubt the safest way to go heavy and load up your body um if you're not super comfortable with deadlifts or other barbell movements um highly recommend the trap bar um okay biggest misconception of strength training I need to say from your audience, you know, outdoors, skiers, mountain bikers. I think just in general, like the, and this is my, my only, like, I guess it's not a a major issue, but like my qualm with, with social media for the average person is like, and I've been kind of a broken record on this lately, but when you are on social media, you are seeing the best version of someone, the heaviest lift that they've ever done, the hardest trail they ever rode. Mm-hmm. Like it's always, it's the biggest, the best, the hardest, the fastest, the best physique, whatever, 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 because it's a, it's a like based platform. Like people want to get likes for what they put up. And so yeah. it's best to put the best version forward with this, especially in strength training comes 
the heaviest, the hardest, and the most complex always. Yeah. So I think it's really important as individuals, if you're starting out on a strength training program or you're looking to get started on a strength training program or you're looking to switch it up, like whatever that is, respect the place that you are at now and try to disassociate from the craziness of what everyone else is doing. Oh, great because advice. your ability to improve as an individual is always going to be relative to your body weight and your skill. Right. So the, the Instagram versus, well, you said Instagram versus reality, right? Yeah, yeah same uh, like, idea. The reality should be like, where are you now? And mm-hmm. a week from now, are you in a better off position? Because when you get on the bike or when you get into your skis, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what someone else did or is doing or, or does or whatever, how much they lift or how much they weigh. It's if you've taken the time to put your body in a better position, to move with better proficiency, to have better flexibility and mobility, because that's going to make the sports that you like to do way more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I love that, dude. Um, I think that's a really great answer. And I was going to add mine just because I have to say it. I think misconception-wise, I think people really underestimate how much strength training actually helps. I think they see it as for cyclists specifically, like, oh, you can pedal a little bit harder or whatever it may be, but that barely scratches the surface of all the things that strength training does for somebody um, on and off the bike. I think that's, but that is like a huge misconception I'm seeing, but I love what you're saying about like (laughs) people just don't compare what you're doing day to day to the biggest, craziest, most complex, heavy thing that you're seeing because, because that's not reality. So, and well, dude, I mean, this is very worth hitting because it, it drives your point home. And this is something that's super important for everyone to realize, because if you're wondering in your head, how much time you should allocate to strength training or if it's even worth it, because like, you ride so a good way to get better at riding is just to ride more or a better way to ski is to just ski more it's not true at all and on top of the fact that you're going to help prevent your body against injury like we were talking about in the beginning whether it's like you slam or you go to change direction you clip out of your skis and you hit the snow or you find a stump that you didn't see on the trail and you crash of course there's benefits for that kind of stuff like the cushioning the impact the force distribution everything to prevent injury but there's also like serious physiological benefits to strength training like if you take a person and you add muscle to their body you're going to improve their metabolic rate they're going to burn more calories at rest now you're talking about like implications for their health their longevity ability to fight coronary artery disease, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, like all these kind of things matter. And if you're improving someone's metabolic rate, you can also improve things like sleep, recovery, ability to bounce back from illness. Like it is so much greater. It's so much bigger than just getting stronger for your pedal cadence or getting stronger so that you can drop a bigger cliff. Like it is it is a much bigger thing. And I think it's something that in our lifetime, we will continue to see strength training and programmed fitness enter more and more and more and more people's homes for reasons much larger than like the thing that they like to do. Oh yeah. And you can't wait. If, if you're someone listening, who's waiting to start, it's like, don't wait until one of those major cornerstones of your health is gone. Like if it yeah, takes start now. Injury, if it takes the sickness, if it takes this 
like really debilitating thing in your life for you to actually change your mind, I'll tell you, usually those people too still almost don't change or they'll do the bare minimum and then return back to their habits when it's fixed. So you have to be the one to be proactive enough to understand how good you have it now if you're not dealing with those things and you know, take a step forward to keep it that way because your body's not going to just hold out like that. You have to make it happen. So now, um, okay, ski culture, this kind of goes along the same idea. Do they seem pretty accepting of strength training? I think like what I've gotten feedback from, from people that are following along with the account or they watch the video or they've signed up for the site um, yeah. for like the pre-launch is everyone's like really stoked. They're, they're having a really good time, like implementing exercises, seeing things. I think just like on the account specifically, like the visual splices of exercises with skiing is helping yeah. communicate to people like how these things actually transfer to sport. Um, I've actually been working privately with a couple people that just reached out. They were like, Hey, I, lo I love the stuff that you're doing. I want to hire you to in advance of the launch of the site, just program for me. So I've been working with them and they range from like, you know, higher mid range level skiers to new skiers and they're loving it. Like they're yeah. obsessed. It's crazy. The consistency that they're finding and the commitment is it like blows my mind. It's so rad. Nice. And you know, there's getting texts. I got a text from this guy the other day, like, um, he went on this crazy hike and he's like, dude, I've done this hike so many times and I always get this pop in my knee and he's in week four of six of his strength training program. Yeah. It's like, I did the entire thing. It was like three hours and my knee didn't pop once. I'm like, it was like his mind was blown. Yeah. And that's, that's a great, that's a great example, dude, of like the wins that people have where it's like this small victory, but it's such a big deal to you. And, and it's a feedback being like, wow, like something's changing. Something positive is changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's those, like, those are, those are ski enthusiasts, you know, they're not professional yeah. athletes. These are people that are excited about winter. They're trying to ski as many days as they can. And so to your question, like it's being very well received on that level. I think right now, one of the cool parts, the big benefits of social media is that there are a lot of athletes that are sharing that training's part of their life. Yeah. And I think, uh, before this, especially like when I was competing, I was working, you know, I was training all summer long in the off season, I was racing mountain bikes, I was playing soccer, I was always doing stuff to like keep me active for skiing. But that's because I was a competitive skier. And there wasn't much ex social media didn't exist. So that you you could only assume that other athletes were probably doing the same thing, but you didn't really know. And yeah. now, because of how many prominent skiers there are out there that have big followings, that are sharing training and conditioning and strength and what they do in the off season, more importantly, I think people are starting to see that like, that's a component of their 365, like in yeah. their year, they're thinking about it. And now people are going, wait, so you can't just like ski yourself into shape. I thought you could. And, and so it's good now that people are starting to see that like, whether you're doing it one day a week or five day a week, yeah. strength training is going to make your season more fun, period. Yeah. It just is. And now that they're starting to see that and experience that, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's very true, dude. And gosh, we could talk about this all day. I guess what you'll say too about it just makes your season more fun. It's like I've had cyclists, serious road cyclists come and see me in the studio where it was interesting, but one of the guys were, in particular, he made a big point about how coming in for his stress relief alone 
has almost outweighed the physical performance benefits. And he was getting great performance benefits, eliminating back pain, uh, putting down more power, just staying more comfortable on the bike. But he's like, even above all that, I feel like coming in here twice a week, it adds the variety. So I'm not doing the same thing. I feel less burnt out on my bike, which is important for long-term consistency. And he also just felt like he could come in and just blow off some steam. And uh, in more, it's a more of a controlled setting. There is that thing about strength training. Like even when I get in the flow of a workout, sometimes I'm like, gosh, dude, you know, don't even think about physically what's happening in my body, everything mental. And we know physical and mental is connected, but like just what's happening in my brain right now is more than worth it. So I got to cut us off right there. We're going to do this again very soon. Uh, but dude, thanks a lot for the insight. And I'm just so excited to see what you do with ski system. And, uh, thanks for all the support from your end as well with dialed health. And, uh, I hope, you know, we can support you the same way kind of as you move forward. So, um, any last words you want to shameless plug, hit it right shameless now. Plug. Yeah. Ski system, um, get ski system.com. It's strength training mobility for skiers. We're launching September 1st. The website will be live um with programs available to help you guys prep for the season but also stay in shape while you're in the season so it's really really geared towards people that are gonna get on snow but they're not on snow 24 7 you know stay healthy through the season prep for the season and get your body in the best shape that it can be so that you can enjoy the things you love to do yeah i love it and yeah i gotta co-sign everything you know abe is doing because I wouldn't have him on the show if I didn't believe in what his product is. And I know he's, um, you know, he's one of the most respected trainers in my eyes and people that I follow because of the real content he puts out and how he prioritizes. I mean, you could tell just from what he said. So Abe, stoked for you, dude. Um, Thanks for being on here and we'll talk again soon. Of course, brother. Thank you. It's time for Weekly Thoughts with Derek. This is where I get five to 10 minutes to speak my mind. And I know that was a subtle five to 10 minutes. I used to just say five minutes. That's impossible. I can't speak my mind in five minutes. I'm sorry. I've conditioned myself to talking for these prolonged periods of time. And when we have something as good as a podium at an enduro race, I gotta talk about it and give you the deets, people. Um, And that's what I'm gonna do. I got third place this weekend, it was last Saturday, at the Cal Enduro, which was in Mammoth Bar. And this is an area of Auburn, which is local trails of mine. And if you're kind of curious of what it's like, it's basically the foothills of Northern California. Like if you came out of the valley from Sacramento and started heading to Tahoe, you would hit these foothills and like the first canyon that you go over, you're at about thousand foot elevation. That's where Auburn is. And it's, in my opinion, very underrated um, and slept on by our locals. I think a lot of people around here take it for granted because we have incredible trails. In fact, if you're just trying to ride single track, you could ride like 20 miles of single track with almost without getting off dirt. Uh, which is unbelievable and you can build these huge rides there's good enduro routes you can get super creative i ride stuff backwards all the time and it's been a really really awesome spot for me especially being more time constrained um as of late you know which brings me to my next point i don't ride gravity very much anymore and i'm racing enduro which is still a gravity sport so you have to be sharp on your tech skills and descending and if you're going to race pro and you want to be somewhat competitive you can't slouch on like the tech stuff you just can't but 
it, I'm lucky to have so many years of that under my belt with the downhill racing background that I can still ride conservatively and be somewhat competitive, at least with these more local, like national level events. Um, as long as I'm absolutely like destroying any pedaling section I can get, like that's a huge advantage for me. And one thing with enduro as well is like, it's holding a high pace, but not making mistakes. It's so easy to ride super fast and then just blow up one corner and lose like three or four or five seconds. Whereas there's a person who just backed off a little bit, didn't make any mistakes. And over the weekend, they can be a lot faster. And for me, like that's, it showed me that strategy really worked well at TDS. Like it was insane winning a stage there with the competition there. I ended up like just outside the top 10 overall by like, it was literally like a second <laughs> for the total race time. And I was like, wow, like that was me riding very conservative, but uh, again, not slouching, but like riding within my control on the tech stuff and then absolutely blowing up any uh, pedaling sections I could. Not my body blowing up, but blowing up the pedals. <laughs> and it was uh, it was the same strategy I carried into this race. In fact, it was really hot. I know quite a few people actually didn't show up, I think because the heat and the combination with this being more of a pedally track. Um, and it's like loose over hard packed dirt, so it's still super slick. So it's just like a recipe for hard racing because even though the, the course was short, like I think it was like 15 miles in total, there was four stages and the total race time was like, my total race time at third place was like 14.04. I think the winner was like 13.44 or something like that. Uh, shout out to you, Evan Jean Coppolis. We both grew up riding these trails together, which is really sick. And uh, yeah, so it's just a recipe for a hard day. It's dusty, it's hot. Like I haven't, after the first stage, my lungs burned so bad that, you know, I was like talking to Lish. I was like, man, I hope I'm not like actually sick after this. Um, but it took a full day to like clear those out. And I was still hacking up green stuff out of my lungs uh, just from this race, which was uh, something, again, it's like that race intensity you almost can't emulate. Or like, I know that if I went out riding when it's 90 degrees on my mountain bike, I wouldn't put out an effort probably that hard. But you have to do it when you race. And that's the thing that's so interesting and uncomfortable about racing is like you get put into these non-ideal situations where you still have to go as hard as you can. Um, so that intensity like can't be replicated. And it showed because I was like, wow, my lungs haven't felt this way in a long time. <laughs> it, it really, I can't even remember the last time I had my lungs actually burn like that. Um, but long story short, I felt like I rode super strong and I just stuck to my, my plan. Like, um, I, I, I will say on the first stage, I, I two wheel drifted the first corner, like a little bit out of control. And I had to tell myself to like calm down a little bit. That was the one part I was a little overexcited. I mean, I came in hot and the trail was way looser than expected. So that was that one point. Other than that, everything felt very much within my control. And I just knew I was like, okay. I have a great bike for this course. Again, still kind of shorter on the shorter travel side than most people. I was riding a 130, 140 bike. So it's a stump jumper 29er. And for me, I think it was, it was a perfect build. Uh, but there were some pretty gnarly tech sections. In fact, the gnarliest part of the track was one of my best times of the day, which I, I don't know how that happened. I think it's because I was so focused on just riding smooth but I was pretty surprised on that. Um, and I gotta say, it was really cool. This is just on a personal note. On my Strava, you know, these are trails I've ridden like hundreds and hundreds of times. Like to go out and get so many medals on a ride and like I got a KOM and, uh, and I was like, dude, that, <laughs> that never happens out here just because 
you know, I kind of, I just don't ride with that intensity on my mountain bike as much anymore. Like typically when I go out and trail ride now, it's pure fun. I'm just purely just, I mean, you're trying to get content and I'm stopping a lot or I'm just like soaking it all in. I've been way more aggro on my road bike lately. (laughs) Like we're all go out and actually maybe hunt a KOM or something like that. Um, so anyways, you know, it was really cool to see all those medals on Strava. Um, and obviously end up with a medal in the race, which, you know, it was really, it was cool. Like I felt this weird sense of pressure actually coming into the race because a lot of people told me I was going to win or I could win. (laughs) And even, and actually, to be honest, I believed it. I could too, because of the winning the stage at TDS earlier this year, which was very, very unexpected. It made me think, I was like, wow, I think I could do this. But the truth is the two dudes in front of me, they're like real enduro racers, like real top dudes in our country racing enduro. And, you know, it's just, it's another level of just skill and the freshness and being a real racer that I I don't have right now, you know, which is totally okay. Like when I saw that I lost the overall by like 20 seconds, uh, I was like, okay, (laughs) it was not even, not even close to where I wasn't going to gain that time back. Honestly, I felt like I rode really well. Um, and I just want to say, you know, like I'm trying to build a lot of content about race anxiety right now. I filmed a couple of videos that I haven't put out yet because the, there's a few things wrong with them, but long story short, I've been very fascinated by this process because as someone who doesn't need a result or doesn't rely on racing as like, I don't know, like my identity or like, it used to be everything that mattered to me. And now it's just not that, but I still get nervous, you know, like I still have to battle through the stress of racing and the expectations and the doubt and all of those things. Um, and being able to perform, you know, breathing, not letting the nerves stop you from physically performing at your best, which we all know you, it can happen. You know, you, your heart rate elevates, you don't breathe as much. All of a sudden your body feels tight. You have lactic acid in your muscles or whatever it is exactly. I mean, it feels like that and you don't feel like you can perform. So getting through that mentally is something I want to help people out with as well, because it definitely came up for me and it was such a conscious decision to be like, okay, breathe relaxed athletes perform better like the fact you're out here is a huge blessing just go you have the opportunity right now to go ride as fast as you can like that's what you love to do anyways just go do it and that is all very very much the truth um very much more than the lies of like this is very important this has to happen a certain way yada yada what if i'm not good enough you know like there's there's another fear of like doing your best and also having it not be where you wanted which makes you feel inadequate, which is a weird, that's a whole other thing. But, um, but, and, and I experienced that a little bit too, because I was like, wow, I couldn't have ridden better, I don't think. Um, more consistent, smoother, pedaled harder, and I still got beat by, you know, 20 seconds. So I had to like kind of think about that for a second, be like, okay, <laughs> you're not like a real pro, so <laughs> calm down. Anyways, um, yeah, the race went well, pedaled hard. I was on the smaller bike. I, wore white socks to stay cool. That was like a huge strategy of mine. I was like, what can I do to stay cool? So I had ice socks like in the nylon on my back, kept stuffing my bib with ice, cool water, dumping bottles before stages for no extra weight. I didn't wear knee pads just to be more comfortable uh, in the heat, especially. I was tucking in my jersey uh, to be a little bit more aero. And it was so funny because I saw one picture of myself where I had a tucked in jersey and... (laughs) I had white socks on and I was like, I look like such a dad. I like, I just need some new balances. 
um, you know, and like be standing by a barbecue or something like that, and like a full on mustache. If that if those that combination was there, it would have just been full dad mode. Um, so that was cracking me up. But yeah, I was really happy that you know I just like stuck to my game plan. I did what I thought I could do. Like I did everything I could do to have my best result. And I didn't let the nerves stop me from actually playing it out, which was cool. And then not only that, but I have to say one curveball I had to kind of overcome was initially where I was going to park. Now it was important because where I parked like mattered as far as me re-upping on water and on ice and everything and the stuff I brought in my car. So when I couldn't park down at the bottom because they sold out of parking passes or whatever, and the ranger turned me around, like that was something I was had to overcome where I was like, dang, okay, the game plan switches. My warm up to the top switches. Like, um, am I going to have the right stuff at the bottom? And thankfully, thankfully Specialized was there and they were, um, they took care of me. Like they gave me the water I needed, the Gatorade I needed, like the, the whatever. So that was really cool. Um, having supported a race, I got to say, you guys, is the raddest thing. Like, I know what it's like to go to races, and you're in the pits, and you don't know anyone, you don't have a place to go sit, uh, you don't have that support where if you do need something or to put your bike somewhere or get out of the sun or whatever, and now to be going to some of these events and know enough people to go do that is, like, the coolest thing, and to have genuine sponsor support. Like, dude, Specialized made me feel like a real pro. Like, for instance, on practice day, when we went up and rode, I came back and Jordan from Specialized, who's our NorCal um, uh, field marketer, uh, he, yeah, I think he's just NorCal. He might be NorCal in Oregon. But anyways, I basically got back into the Specialized pits. I grabbed an icy cold Coke. I went to the river. And while I was at the river, Jordan washed my bike and fully retuned it for me, ready for the race day the next day, which saves me like 45 minutes in a whole process of doing that when I get home. And it was incredible. Like, I was like, dude, I'm at the river right now. My bike's getting basically, like, torn apart and run through. It is so rad. <laughs> How cool of an experience is that? So it just helped out. It helped out a ton. And I just had to acknowledge it because I really don't take it for granted. Um, and even, like, the people, dude, I felt like I knew everyone there. I had people coming up and saying they followed the Instagram page. I had Dialed Fan members there who were coming up and talking about their results and how stoked they are. Um, just on the product and that was that made it feel like family in fact I actually had my parents come out um, for one section of track where like right before a transfer and they brought like icy uh, icy ice water they brought like chain lube and stuff like that and I knew that was a spot where we wouldn't have that support um, and a lot of these the aid stations were at the top of stages. So I'm like, I'm not going to fill up my bottles and stuff for the next climb and drop this stage with full bottles and like a bar on my back when I don't need it. So that helped a ton, but the whole combination, it's like home race. I feel like I know everybody. Um, I was really happy with my riding. We had the support with sponsors. Like it was just a really, really cool like event. Um, and knowing the race organizers, I, organizers, I reconnected with some people I haven't talked to in a long time. Um, that were kind of running the race. So long story short, it was a really great experience. And I'll just tell anybody like, you know, going deciding to race is without a doubt a place. It, it, it's going to take energy. It's going to take energy no matter what level of stress you're kind of dealing with. Because even like myself, I had to use energy to choose not to stress about it. Uh, but still the preparation, the packing, like it put me behind on stuff for not only the back half of last week, but the first part of this week, just in, to be honest, uh, which was 
it, it's kind of a reality. And plus the, the energy that the race itself takes from you physically and mentally, you know, talking to everyone, visiting the whole thing, you're in the heat all day. Uh, when I have to go home and watch the three kids, like there's no chance to rest. So it just compounds. It's very tiring. But I'll tell you that you, there's so many cool things about races, whereas whether you feel competitive or not, you really do want to take a breath and like soak in the whole process. Because for most of us, these are the things that we watch day in and day out through content. You know, we're watching recaps of races on YouTube. We're on Pink Bike. We're on Vital. We're on Cycling Tips. We're on all these like areas just, you know, trying to soak in the cycling industry and be a part of it. So when you can go out and physically be a part of it, it's cool to like kind of smell the roses, dude, like stop and look around and be like, man, this is pretty rad. Like I'm stoked. I'm a part of this. Like I'm really a part of this industry. So anyways, um, that was my whole experience. Those were kind of my thoughts on it. No regrets, uh, as far as how the racing went, but I will say this race and like having to get into the mindset of riding gravity super fast and like, like a real racer, <laughs> like a real gravity racer again. Um, even since TDS, I noticed it at TDS, but I noticed it even more at this race. It was harder for me to get there. And I'm realizing that that style of racing, it just isn't lining up with the way I train and live and kind of the things. I don't want to say the things I'm as interested in. Cause I freaking am obsessed with like even watching downhill races still, uh, and being a part of the community. And I want to be a part of that, but I also realize like, I think I need to try some different stuff too. Like I'm really interested in trying some cross country racing, trying some gravel racing. I don't know how interested I am in road crits yet, but it's kind of, I'm, I'm getting more curious, but I think the next thing I'm going to do is kind of try out some XC racing, um, which, well, this will be after the DH vert challenge, which I'll give you more insight on, uh, later, probably next week because we're one month out from my Everesting challenge on my stump jumper. I think we found the trail. Uh, we're going to confirm with the park rangers to make sure that we could get some people out there too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some cool stuff coming up, but I can just tell mentally, like I'm ready for something new in that sense with racing. Um, so that, that was kind of a cool thought. And then again, just me trying to limit, uh, the friction like in my life. Because I'm like, okay, I train like an XC racer, basically. Why am I not racing XC? <laughs> or like, why do I put pressure on myself to perform going down a hill when I don't ever train that way, period? Even though I love to ride it, it's still my favorite. It's just like not what I'm really aggressive about anymore. Um, so think about that yourself too. Like if racing feels weird, are you racing the right discipline? Like, is there something about it that you feel like you could, you could change to really just enjoy it more or have it just uh, be more in line with your actual life and lifestyle. So all things to consider. Um, but long story short, the body felt great. I felt strong. I know this next month coming into Everesting, I'm going to be hopefully upping my volume on the bike and in the gym. Um, I really just want to get freakishly fit this, this month. And, um, it's going to just mean kind of like a little bit more focus, I think in the studio when I'm doing my workout, like my strength training sessions, um, because, and I know I'm going way past my time limit here. How, oh, oh my gosh, we're almost 20 minutes. I just looked, oh, holy cow. Are you guys still listening? <laughs> I'm so sorry if I'm talking your ear off. Um, wait, I take that back. Someone told me stop apologizing for my rants. So I retract it. I guess I just got a lot to talk about. So I'll tell you, I'm going to up my volume, hopefully by like an hour or two um, on the bike. 
um, by adding an extra 30 on the trainer and then hopefully doing some longer rides um, during the weekend. Uh, again, I can't add very much volume just because of my family uh, and my wife would divorce me. So, you know, <laughs> there's that I'm dealing with. But where I notice I could actually really up my game lately is my strength workouts, which is probably not what you expected me to say. But the truth is I have to get so much content with strength work that it is very disruptive to the quality of my sessions sometimes and doing both my own workout while i'm getting the content like it adds it such an extra layer and it's very hard to stay warm it's hard to you know like it's the reason i can't follow a program to the t is because i have to be i have to show such a variety of things um but i know that i can plan my sessions more so that I can save my filming for like even the end of the session or the last round of the last circuit. And that way I could keep my flow going and then just be like, okay, most of the workout's done. Let's get these clips. You know, maybe I'll go heaviest for the clips anyways, or do the most unstable variety, whatever it is. Um, and I think that will help. Um, also, I, I need to give myself a little bit more time for my sessions so that I'm not rushing and trying to do a shortened workout and get the clips because that just gets too crazy so those are my plans i'm stoked um it's gonna be a really good month and i hope you guys are excited about kind of wrapping up summer strong i hope you're planning a dh vert challenge ride and plan to pr your your vertical ascent and um I'm, I'm really stoked to bring the content to you because i'm doing my ride in the beginning of september so we can get all the content back to you and help support your ride whether it's preparation, execution, just pure motivation. Those are all things that we want for you before you go out and do your ride. So start planning it. Make sure you push yourself. I'm doing about 14,000 feet more than I've ever done before <laughs> in climbing. Um, and I'll be on my, uh, on my stump jumper. It's going to be like 100 miles on my trail bike and, you know, 29,000 feet of climbing. So just kind of prepping myself mentally for that. Um, anyways, you guys, we're going to hit the outro, but I hope you have an awesome week. I hope you are feeling focused and inspired on whatever it is you're getting after in life. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dialed Health Podcast. If you are enjoying it, there's two things you can do to really help us out. It makes a huge difference. It only takes a minute or two. The first thing you could do is give us five stars on the Apple Podcast app and also just write a positive comment. Say you're enjoying the episode. Anything positive honestly works. I'm not picky. <laughs> the second thing you can do is to screenshot that you're listening to the episode and post it to your social media. Instagram stories is a perfect place to do this and tag Dialed Health. Not only will I be able to repost it but it also shows your friends that you're listening and really helps with the growth of the podcast now you can also go to dialedhealth.com and get a membership without a doubt that'd be the most supportive thing you can do and hopefully you can implement some strength training into your weekly routine and get the benefits of it and have the best rides possible thank you so much for the support i hope you have an incredible week we will see you next wednesday